abolish the federal and state financial incentives that have turned child protective services into a business that separates families for money. I have witnessed such injustice and harm brought to so many families that I am not sure if reform of the system is even possible. The system cannot be trusted. It does not serve the people. It obliterates families and children simply because it has the power to do so. Abolish the federal and state financial incentives that have turned child protective services into a business that separates families for money. I have witnessed such injustice and harm brought to so many families that I am not sure if reform of the system is even possible. The system cannot be trusted. It does not serve the people. It obliterates families and children simply because it has the power to do so. Good evening and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. I am Gino, your host, and as always, next to me and below, Miss Danielle Holm and Miss Sylvia Beachy, co-founders of Rescue the, Fo Rescue the Fosters and also co-host of Rescue the Fosters. Ladies, how are you tonight? Great. Oh, Sylvia, are you muted? <laughs> <laughs> and look what, a look what a gentleman I was, too. I didn't even say anything to you. <laughs> Ladies, how are you? Great. Good to see you. How are you, Gino? I'm doing good. Doing good. Just uh, a little tired today. Been running around like the last couple days like crazy, but got it together. I don't know. I keep screwing up the opening with the rescue the founders thing. Like it's like a tongue twister for me for some <laughs> reason. The founders. But anyway, uh, Danielle, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? Yes. Okay. So John Lamb is one of my favorite people. And he, <laughs> he came into my life seven years ago, right after the kidnapping of my son and has been a huge voice for my son and my family. And I'm so appreciative of him, um, even through our separate trials and tribulations, we find ourselves coming right back together. Um, he's an amazing human being, a brother in Christ. He's a, he's a father, a husband, um, a father of many, actually, <laughs> and a farmer, a business owner, and he is an advocate for many political prisoners, people that have been falsely accused, people that don't have their voices right now. He is just an amazing person advocating for so many people. So welcome, John. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the night. I'm honored. Yes, we are excited to have you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Um, heard a lot about you. So let's start at the beginning. John, I know you were just before we went live, you were telling us about your great, was it your great grandfather or grandfather? Actually, my grandfather, my father's dad, mm -hmm. um, okay. he was born October 4th, 1900. So, um, and he had 16 children. And um, wow. so I, my, that, that, my, that's where kind of my heritage started through him and my, my own father. And uh, so that's where I, how, how I, as mo his life and my father's life has molded me to where I'm at today. And I'm proud to, continuing that traditions and stuff that they brought us up in my father was homeschooled when homeschooling wasn't even thought of back then this is when the government started initiating public schools and trying to get education popular back in the 50s and 60s and mm -hmm. uh but my grandfather homeschooled um all of his children along with my grandmother she homeschooled them all 
And um, my father homeschooled me and my eight younger brothers and sisters my whole life. And I have, with my wife, homeschooled our 12 children. Um, so several things. My grandfather had all of his children at home. He delivered them all. Um, my dad delivered all nine of us children. And so I was born at home. And I delivered all 11 of my 12 children at home. So um, it's just been, 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 a, been a, a wonderful experience in life, just by keeping that tradition going. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> not, not my thing. I, I couldn't even yeah. stomach my own kids' births. Like, it was like, it's pretty, I, mean, I don't know. Well, you got to have a stomach. Every, it, every, every single birth we had, I was telling my wife, I, I, I'm not doing this by myself. Someone else is going to be here. So I, I, I didn't want to be there by ourselves. So we had a midwife or a family midwife or friend that would come, but we didn't want any state intervention. We didn't trust the state. My grandfather never trusted the government. Wow. Uh, my dad didn't. I don't yet to this day for obvious reasons. And um, I've been, uh, my own father actually went to prison because of CPS. And um, that was probably my first eye opener. And that was back in 1999, if I remember correctly, 98, 99, when they came and arrested my dad on false charges. And, um, all of us children were there in court. All of them told this, the, the jurors and everybody it was a lie. And my dad was put in prison um, on false charges from the state only without any victim. And wow. uh, from that point on, and I had two, two young children myself at the time. And uh, from that point on, it was all out. I was at, at war with this corrupt system. And uh, so that, that began my fight. And I've been fighting ever since it uh, my because of our situation. The next case that I was helping was an Amish uh, group in Kentucky. And then it went from there to another little family. And then it ended up in Oregon, where actually where I got known for helping the Bundy family out there in Oregon fight a case. And I was there when that verdict got read by the jurors. I'm not guilty. And it's been a roller coaster ever since, and it's been a wonderful fight. We we don't always win these battles, but we we never give up. We keep fighting. Amen. Sure, John. If you don't mind me asking, what were the allegations against your father? My father, his allegations were that um, there was really not. It was just a, a abuse a, abuse of um, minor children in the home, not having them in public schools, not having a TV. These are the things that were brought up being over religious by using the the bible as as school curriculum so my dad for teaching us how to read my dad would open up a or tell us to pick a, a chapter out of the bible and read it and then he would pick the words out of it and we'd learn how to spell them and so that was our our, our reading um materials and how we learned and so the state didn't like that curriculum and ended up prosecuting my dad over it and um they did all of us kids not i was i was out of the house already but i was part of that case with him trying to help him with it i was 26 years old i think when he got arrested what and year um was this? what's that what year was this i, I believe in 1999 oh wow so I had two or three children at the time so it uh but yeah it was um abuse of a child under the age of 16 i think that's what they called it it um so they just made it up 
They just made it up. It was over a neighbor that reported reported my dad for not having his kids in school. Wow. And there was a, you said there was a jury? There was a jury. And I remember that jury like it was yesterday. I I, I just, um, you know, we didn't know anything about the court system at the time. And so there was one question that stuck out in my mind that the prosecutor asked the jurors for jury questionnaire was, could anybody here um, convict someone if the Bible con- contradicted the law? And there was uh, three ladies I remember in particular that raised their hand and said, no, if the Bible said something different, we would go with the Bible than what the law would say. Those jurors were dismissed and were not part of my dad's jurors. And so they was professionals at it, as we know now. I mean, we, we're not. These people convict innocent people every day in this in this in this these court systems and these people some most of the time it's their first time ever in court they don't know how the court system works they're given a public defender because they can't afford an attorney and the public defenders on the state side just they're they're working out plea deals it has nothing to do with justice and uh Many public defenders, like one public defender in a case that I'm helping out here in Montana right now, told a defendant last week, well, you wasn't really right in everything you did, you know, so at, um, you might as well take a plea deal because you've got to be guilty on part of it. You made some mistakes, too. And that the public defenders are just working for the state for a plea deal. They don't want to go to trial. So, and when, if they do go to trial, the public defenders don't fight usually for that defendant very hard. So the the, the, the prosecutors win 97% all cases in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the general public understands what's going on. And it's, you know, look, if if a parent committed a crime, they go to jail. That's That's the way it's supposed to be. I get it. But what we're seeing is that that's not happening. That's not the consensus. The consensus is that innocent people, innocent parents are being, first of all, like you said, it could be a phone call. It could be anything, just out of the blue. And all of a sudden, they're being dragged before a judge for no reason. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm glad there was, you know, there was obviously a jury in your case, but most of these courts don't have juries. So you have no most jury of, of your peers. Bro. Yeah. I mean, how yeah, is that? administrative courts. And a lot of times, no charges are ever put against a parent. They just take the take the child, and they have these administrative courts like they did in Baby Holmes' case. And just there's no jury, just a judge. And that happened in Idaho with Baby Cyrus. They just took that baby away. I don't know if you're familiar with that case, but they took that baby away. Then Ammon Bundy stood up and fought to get that baby back. I showed up there, many others did from around the country, and the baby was returned in that instance in five days. But um, it usually doesn't happen that way. No. Was In that case, was the baby returned because of the public outcry? Yes, definitely, yeah. and it, it, mm-hmm. that's been proven since, mm-hmm. because now the state of Idaho has sued Ammon Bundy through the hospital, and they got a judgment against Ammon Bundy a couple of months ago for $54 million for protesting to get baby Cyrus back. They've taken they've destroyed Ammon Bundy. They've taken his home. They've taken every property that he has. They've taken um, all of his money out of his bank account. He's literally, they have tried to destroy him in every way they can. Just because he wants a baby with their parents. And yeah. I mean, and just for standing in truth, period, being a man of God. 
And the only crime supposedly this mother committed was missing a doctor's appointment. So she had taken the baby to the hospital because she was concerned about her, about her baby. So she's thinking, well, you know, these people, this is where I go if you're not feeling well. So she takes the baby there and the baby was kind of transforming from milk to food. And it was having like sick stomach and she didn't know she was a young mother, first child and um, took her baby to the hospital. And they, they said, okay, I think everything's okay. They sent her home and they sent her, sent her a new uh, hospital date to come and have a checkup. The baby was fine. She didn't need a checkup, so she just didn't go. And the hospital called CPS and they literally arrested that mother and father in a gas station parking lot and ripped that baby from that mother's arms and took the baby away. All over missing a doctor's appointment. That's illegal. And if the baby was in such uh, emergency or dire need, it was going to die. You would think they would just keep the baby in like ICU or in the hospital. They put the baby in foster care. Foster care, of course. Of course. For them the days. worst so, environment ever. Yes. So it wasn't like the baby was in, in, in danger of dying. And then five days later, they ended up returning the baby because of public outcry. There was hundreds of us from all over the country that showed up. And we was protesting the judges' homes, the CPS offices and their homes, and wow. police officers' homes. That take it. There were so many of us. We was scattered out all over that town of Boise. And um, they were, what's that? I said, I love that. That's what yes, we need. Yes, I mean, it's what we need. We need more people doing stuff like that and standing up. And I, I heard about it. I was here in Montana, and it was 10 hours away to Boise. And within i don't know an hour or so i was packed up and i was on the road and heading over there so oh, you're awesome good and and if one thing we got to stand understand these things you know the only way we can win these things is right now we can't win them in the court system is public outcry in yeah. my opinion and you can't do it on a weekend protest you people have to stay there people have to be willing to to not leave until they get some type of result resorts uh but be peaceful about it we've never been violent at any yeah. time yes. all we do is we, yeah. we we pray we um go to these places and we just bring awareness to it that's all we do yep the people coming together is how it's going to change i mean people have to really not be afraid of just being of truth you don't have to be violent you can just be peaceful about it be outside of the hospitals. I mean, in my situation alone, the hospital that kidnapped my son, 129 babies were taken from that hospital that one year. Yes. And where is the outcry there? I mean, I, we were out there and then a few people came along once in a while, but like you said, not enough to really make a difference. And so, I mean, I've been trying for a long time, but I, it's, yeah. I know it's all on God's time as well. And God has big things in store for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's all about public outcry and peacefully protesting and really just coming together to make change. That's what needs to happen. The courts are too corrupt. <laughs> they, they are corrupt. And it's, it's becoming more and more clear to people when... Yeah. And I'm not a Trump fan. I'm just putting that out there. But uh, <laughs> this new new uh, Colorado deal that just happened with Trump um, right. is corrupt. What happened? Yeah. Removing him from a ballot. Trump's never been convicted of a crime yet. 
this should wake up people. This is the same thing that's been happening to families for years through the family courts and CPS and, and all them. They've been taking babies away from families without any due process, any jury trial, not even, not even proven that the parent has ever committed a crime. And right. stealing these children and giving them away to other families and never being seen again. There's more sinister stuff happening behind this than people realize. It is pure evil. This court, uh, uh, the Supreme Court of Colorado, their decision they made is the exact same model that they've been doing to families for years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. No. no. It's a kangaroo court. <laughs> it is. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John, I don't know what the remedy is. I mean, we've talked about this on many of our shows. I don't know how many shows we've done now, 70, 80 shows, whatever. And you, when you start seeing the patterns over and over again, it, even if you're a naysayer, if you're on the other side and you're like, you know, I got family members. They don't, they're like, oh no, they're doing good work, you know, whatever. I get it. That's fine. You can have your opinion. It's America. God bless you. But at the end of the day, when you start seeing the same patterns over and over again, you would think people would question say, well, why are these things happening? Like mm -hmm. that three letter word, why has opened my mind many times to things I was unaware of before. Why? I asked, just asked a simple question. And if you, if you're not willing to ask that question and you just want to, you know, throw mud in, in people's face or whatever and slander them, then you're more than welcome to do that. It's, it's a free country. But at the end of the day, justice needs to come. And this has to stop. I, I know, we, I mean, it's heart-wrenching. We've had so many families on here torn apart for not even a, not even a misdemeanor, nothing, of an allegation from an anonymous phone call. Like, how does that fly in this country in 2023? There, there's, I know, and there's, there's if people would really look into Danielle's case and yeah. baby Cyrus and uh, uh, Kylie Dixon out of Oregon, and I can just keep naming many, many cases like this where there was never even a misdemeanor involved in it. There was no crime involved in it. There did nothing wrong these parents did. did. So for um, and there, I've, I've seen horrible cases out there and you don't see us or at least myself um, fighting for those cases when there's there's real crimes that have been committed against children. Yeah. Um but the government covers them up in Epstein's case and many other cases. Right. So they they they're they're choosing what you know what they're doing and covering up the other these real crimes and taking away innocent babies away from families that have never committed even a misdemeanor or a crime at all. It right. uh, I, I would like someone to show me the crime Danielle committed with her baby. She could commit any crime. It uh, she went to a hospital seeking help you know to deliver her baby safely for herself and the baby and there was nothing wrong with what she did and for her them to do that they literally kidnapped and stole that baby and yeah. several these other cases yours is probably one of the worst cases you know i've ever seen and it's horrific and it um i i don't know i i don't even have words sometimes i try to explain it to people <laughs> And um, one of our vans that our family drives around, we have that you're one of the signs in the back of our window of the van. So everywhere we go, that sign goes with us. And um, 
And then I have a, another van that I've carried the billboard of baby home on the both sides of it all over the country. I don't, I can't even count the States that I've been to. So this billboard sets on top of the, the on top of the roof of the, the van and a big old four foot tall, eight foot long. <laughs> I love and, uh, that. I remember the story seeing everywhere. the picture. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I really appreciate that because people have to understand I mean, I've said this a million times, but like you just said, I didn't, I, I didn't commit crimes. I wasn't on drugs. I mean, there was no reason. They came in and literally said I was somebody else out on bond yeah. for for drug trafficking and child trafficking from another state. Like they said, I was on bond. I have never even been arrested. Yeah. So it's crazy. I mean, the whole situation yeah. is insane. So. I don't even know. I, I don't have words sometimes either. I'm just living my life and I'm, I'm seeing the craziness. And I've, you know, there was a period of time where I went into a deep darkness because of it. I was very depressed. I'm, I'm very transparent about that because people have to understand what they do to you. So I was very depressed. I came out of it, thankfully. And now I'm just using my own pain to help other people and get the truth out and do everything I possibly can to make change. But it's been a rough battle, and I really, truthfully, just I, all I want are for families to be reunited. It's God's design. God gave me my child. Nobody else has that responsibility but me, mm -hmm. and I, it's it's as simple as that. It's really that simple, just as simple as there's only man and woman, <laughs> period. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, two things everybody should know. We, we cannot let fear rule us. It, it can, can consume us somewhat, but we got to keep going forward. So we can't let fear rule us in any of these situations. Sometimes I say, well, I've got 12 children. I, I, I Maybe I should be quiet because they're going to come and take my children. They're going to come and take my children one of these days anyway, if I allow it or if it happens. So I would rather be out there speaking the truth and not let fuel, fuel, uh, fear rule us. We cannot be silent. We have to keep speaking about this. It's the only way other people are going to wake up to what's happening in this country. And you know what? I find that absolutely amazing, even after everything that you've been through. And I don't know if you want to talk about your recovery process right now, because you were in an awful um, accident. And even seeing you going from that to where you are now, you are literally a testimony of what God does for people that stand in truth. And so I don't know if you want to talk about what happened there, but I just want to say, yeah, like, in, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, back in 2018, you know, I, I had a bad wreck on the interstate with a semi. It was a semi driver's fault. It, um, it, it uh, the whole story is just horrific how it happened and some of it i didn't even know at the time till in later on we ended up getting body cam footage but people knew who i was i was i was very outspoken thousands of followers and um you know the first thing most people thought is the government killed me or was trying to kill me put a hit out on me i i don't think that was the case i think it was a tragic accident of a of a of a truck driver that just made a bad horrible mistake but there were people that showed up on that scene that were very good people, first responders, but there was also some bad ones that did not like me. One of them was a highway patrolman, and he ended up losing his job here in Montana over it. But 
he never even checked on me when I when I was in that truck. I had both legs broken in multiple places, eleven ribs, an arm, head concussion. I, I didn't even I didn't even know I was there because I was unconscious. Mm -hmm. But um, he told everybody I was dead, and this was on his police body cam. And he wow. said that guy's dead over there. And then when finally somebody said I was alive, uh, they checked on me. Several minutes later, it was probably close to 15 minutes before anybody even checked on the truck, according to video footage. Um, finally, someone checked and said, hey, he's alive. He's alive. And they, uh, the officer come over and says, has he been drinking? Can you smell alcohol? You know, that was the first thing on their mind, it was not anything about saving my life or anything. But anyway, they flew me, put me in a helicopter, flew me to the hospital and um, the first 30, 31 days or so I spent in, in like an ICU recovery with many, many surgeries and then left that hospital to a um, like a rehab center in a wheelchair. And I was there for a couple more months in rehab and then ended up getting released to home in a wheelchair where I another five or six months before I actually started walking again. But mm -hmm. um, the whole time in that hospital, um, if you go back to some of my stuff on the page, as soon as I was able to talk again, the first thing I was talking about is, is my cases that I was helping on. Uh, baby home was one of them. I mean, I, I do videos from that hospital bed. The nurses would come in and ask me how this case was going on or who was this uh -huh. person. And even the hospital, the doctor one time walked in there and he says, I just checked out your page and, and um, you got some pretty neat stuff on there. You've been helping a lot of people. So I, through it all, even during that time, I got to witness to people. Um, it, it was, it, 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 that's what got me through that whole deal. I mean, I don't even know how I made it. I really don't, but yeah, it was a lot of good people and, and still continued the fight, even that from that hospital bed. Yeah, oh, awesome. I will literally never, ever forget that. I was watching because people were having, um, I don't know what you call it. Uh, people were outside like of the hospital with candles and stuff. And they were having prayer meetings outside the hospital. It was a big deal. And they were they were making it live so we could watch. And so I was yeah. praying with people from a distance. I mean, it was, I don't even know. Like I have no words for the recovery. Like where you're at now is literally a testimony of what God does. It's a miracle. It literally is a miracle. <laughs> it is. It's that, that's the only way to play it is a miracle. <laughs> yes. And then I I remember um something happened to you after that, something with your house. I wasn't sure. Yeah, so it wasn't about uh and I don't remember the exact dates here. I uh, it might have been a year later or a year and a half, our house burned down. And wow. um so between the accident and losing our home and uh just all that, it was it was a lot to take in, but you know, and I didn't have insurance on the home. Um, we have a, a, you know, a farm here with older houses. So it's mm -hmm. nothing. Uh, I just didn't think I needed insurance. And if I had insurance, I don't even know how they would have paid me. I don't know. It was just an old farmhouse, big, big, old, nice old farmhouse that's a hundred years old. But yeah, mm -hmm. through, through the, through the wreck and the loss of the house, none of that was easy, but we still just move forward. Yeah. I knew there was other people. The way I looked at it is, that was nothing compared to the suffering of other people out there. There are so many people I could give you names after names of prisoners that are sitting in prison right now that don't belong there. 
um, every day, I, there's almost not a day goes by I talk to a prisoner somewhere in the United States. Um, and um, just this week, um, I'm helping in a community here. A tragic accident happened where four teenagers were killed in a car wreck. And mm -hmm. um, one of the teenagers, his father is in prison. And so I got calls and I saw my son right now is down here on the farm and I was helping him just before the show where um, we're helping build the, 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 the urns for the, for the, for the children in that, in that accident, two 14 year old girls and two 17 year old boys. Wow. And mm -hmm. uh, so it, um, it just, there's so much pain and suffering from prison and, all this stuff and I, I that's all I can do is just uh, how that's how I work through it just helping people and doing everything I can I love it yeah I mean the fact that you're still smiling and you can move forward like you said is is you know a tribute to you I mean I gotta say like I know lots of people that have had severe hardships you know I mean way harder yes. than anything I've ever had to endure and uh it's just well I mean Danielle's one of them obviously and in, in yourself John but there's lots of people in my own personal life that I've seen suffer tremendously and yet somehow they still put a smile on their face and they still move forward every day and they're just like you know what let it be it is what it is i'm going to move forward it's one day at a time and it's hard to do that though you know a lot of us we can get down depressed and you just start thinking man mm -hmm. woe is me and we kind of get in our little pity parties or whatever but when you when you pick yourself up by the bootstraps and especially if you have god mm -hmm. in your life i mean it makes it much easier and it can i understand can i understand why things are allowed why god allows things no i can't i don't understand that there's i've questioned him a million times you know i've had that conversation with god a million times like lord why i don't understand um but he has he has a way that's not our way and and i think what happens is over time we start seeing that play out in our own personal lives but also in others mm -hmm. lives and then you start realizing wow there's a much bigger plan going on here than i thought i was kind of looking at the day-to-day -day thing when he saw the beginning and the end of the train and that's really, you know, when you're in this, this movement that we're all in and we see what's going on, um, it's one of those things where you, you really do have to just lean on his understanding and say, you know what, Lord, we're, we're just going to do what you told us to do. We'll keep moving forward and, and we'll just see what happens. We'll let the cards, you know, and the chips fall where they may. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know another way to put it. It's yeah. yeah. No, I Every day is a new day. And I don't know, you know me, I'm either laughing hysterically or crying. So <laughs> well, I see some exciting days ahead. Yes. Yeah, for I do sure. too. Definitely. <laughs> Very soon. Yes. <laughs> Gino, you're muted. I hit the wrong button. Sorry. John, are you pretty <laughs> optimistic about the days ahead? I am myself because I, I, I know who we serve. And so I don't think we should have to have fear about the days that coming. I think it's going to be some exciting days. And we just got to um, keep fighting and speaking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I see days of justice coming. I definitely see justice coming. Yeah. It may not be some easy days, but it's, it's uh, justice is coming. Yeah. And it's not going to be some long drawn out process. It'll be a very quick thing. Yeah, yes. I think. And it's, uh, you know, like I said before, look, it's God doing it. We're just hands and feet. There's a whole bunch of people. There's, this movement is gigantic. There's a lot of people that are doing the same thing and doing their little small parts. And it's all those little parts that he uses put together to solve the problem. And like I said before, I don't want to, you know, because I know the naysayers. This is what they always say in my own personal mm -hmm. life. It's like, what about the abuse of parents? Of course, the abuse of parents need to go to prison. 
or, you know, or at least see their day in court and, and see what happens from there, criminal court. But criminal for crying court. out loud, when you have Not regular, family. just, you know, uh, Sally and, and Harry raising kids and all of a sudden CPS shows up at their doorstep and takes their kids for no reason because someone called on them or they go to the hospital and their kids stolen from them in a hospital when they're just giving birth. I mean, we have a problem. I mean, that's, that ain't cool. <laughs> and I don't know how people can sit around and say, and argue the point, like, that's okay. I, I don't get that. And, and I just, it's either ignorance. I think it's willful ignorance, to be honest. Cause I think a lot of people don't want to go in the rabbit hole because it is dark. It's a very dark mm -hmm. place. And uh, sometimes you wish you never saw it, but once you mm -hmm. see it, you're not going to sit around and do nothing. You got to do something. The horror, the horror stories from CPS. And I, I know, people that I've talking to that are my age and all in between that mm -hmm. tell about the horror stories of them being in CPS and what happened to them and why they got taken away from their parents. And, and there are more children taken away from their parents through administrative courts than any, than they've never committed a crime. They've been suspected of something or mm -hmm. they're some kind of administrative issue that they've had or paperwork and not a clean house or this and that. And they selectively take these children and put them in other people's homes. And then in those homes, um, there's abuse. The, 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 the mm -hmm. cases that we was helping out with in Oregon, um, mm -hmm. that mother, uh, Chrissy Dixon, her only crime was is she did not want her daughter to have a surgery at a hospital without a second opinion. That was her only crime. Without a what? So she decided, what's that? Sorry, second, a second, a second opinion, a second opinion. Yeah, so she just wanted a second opinion. So she took her daughter to another place to have a second opinion, and they arrested her, took her daughter, and put her daughter in, in foster care. And while her daughter was in foster care for those few months, she was molested. She was, you know, multiple times. Um, it um, And she, this had never happened in her own home. This only happened in foster care and the state never remedied any of that stuff. And when I got involved in that, I went to Oregon. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. We, I don't never know. I'm not a lawyer. All I can do is just speak my piece and tell the truth. And I have a lot of lawyer friends and stuff, but myself, I have no law degree. So I, I just fight as a father for someone else's child. Like I would my own the best I can. And I, you know, every outcome hasn't always been perfect. We've not got all the children back, but we try as hard as we can on the ones I can. And I don't remember how many days exactly, but I, I had made up my mind when I left Montana to go to Oregon and Oregon City, Oregon is where that case was, that um, I wasn't coming home until I got some kind of um, results or something and knew that I was supposed to come home or what. But it, it was somewhere right around 19 or 20 days in. And I was there every day. I went there like a job. I stayed there on that street day and night, every day, protesting and trying to come up with new things and new signs, whatever I can do. And they gave that child back. And uh, so it, it was a joyful day to get that girl back to her mother, you know, so and yeah. to this day, she's still with her mother. But the state hasn't given up. They they they, they prosecuted that mother later. Uh, for fake crimes and uh, for inter what do they call it? Custodial interference. It's a felony charge. 
because she, the mother interfered with the custody of her own daughter that the state was trying to take custody of. So and, she interfered um, with the state and the state? Yes, the state decided that it was in the best interest of the daughter to have surgery at this one hospital when the mother didn't want it, want her to have surgery. So since she interfered with the state's decision, they prosecuted her on that. That's and they did end up finding her guilty. Yeah, they ended up finding her guilty, the mother guilty of, of custodial interference, just interfering with the state's decision on her own daughter's life. And wow, um, that's insane. You know what I don't is. understand, John, is in this country, we have all these women's rights group, right? But I never see them mm -hmm. standing up for these women that have their children stolen from them. Never. I don't see any protest by these these huge women's so-called women's rights groups that do absolutely nothing for women. Where are they? Like this is this is the crime of the century, and it's going on every day, right under our nose. And no group's going to stand up for it. I don't understand that. Have you ever seen at any of your protests any of these women's rights groups out there? I, I have not at all, and I've been to a lot of protests all over the country, so I have not. Yeah, it says a lot. Yeah, that's why um, our friend Marissa started the Me Too Family Court Movement. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, all the Me Too women's rights groups. Well, she started yep. Me Too, like, family court um, yep. situation. So, yep. yeah, it's, I know, I've I've always wondered that. Um, throughout the last seven years of my life, I've always been like, where are all, where are all my females? Like, where is everybody? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. But, you know, again, I always go back to, it's God's timing. I know big things are mm -hmm. coming. So... We're just going to keep pushing forward, keep striving. Yes, exactly. You all remember <laughs> the case out in um, New York. Um, I'm trying to remember her name now, but um, she was a midwife delivering babies for the Amish and Mennonites and other people. And mm -hmm. the state charged her with 95 felony charges and was asking the state of New York to put her in prison for 500 years for delivering 95 live births. And um, I don't know if you remember that case or not. No, no. I don't. I haven't heard that one. But a lot of women, um, I, 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 I don't remember her name for some reason off the top of my head, but I, she, um, I, I, did, I wasn't able to go because of my health at the time after my accident. But my daughter, Katura, went out there in my place. And um, that midwife there... Um, there was hundreds of women that showed up from around the country, mothers and other people that showed up for in support of her. And um, she, she wasn't that she, a baby died or she killed any babies or anything like that. You would think they'd be arresting people in abortion clinics, you know, because no, no baby comes out of there alive. Usually. And, oh, um, that's their goal. But, yes, that's their goal to, to mm -hmm. kill them all. Yep. And here, this mother here, she was just trying to offer a service to mothers an alternative besides going to a medical facility where they steal children. So she was trying to help them have natural births at home. And she had successful done this for hundreds of babies. And the state ended up investigating her and um, finding that they found about 95 babies that she had delivered without the consent of the medical system. And they charged her with 95 counts of uh, practicing medicine without a license. And um, they ended up getting one conviction on her. 
And she, I think she agreed to that just to get it dropped because she w- didn't have a good lawyer and stuff. But uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, a better outcome than it could have been. But a lot of people did come and support her. That was my main point with that. Oh, there were women from all over that showed up. Yeah, I, I'm guessing the hospital was upset that they weren't able to steal any of these children. Uh, because it is big money for the system to steal these children. So I'm sure that does it, make them really mad when they can't. Yes, it, and most of these mothers uh, that want home births don't want vaccines. They right? don't want their baby They're filled smart. with all this poison. They don't want um, a lot of other things that are happening in these hospitals done to their babies. So yep. they that's the reason they chose it alternative, natural what, how people have been born for years at home, hundreds of, you know, hundreds of years. And, then, yep. and now, now all of a sudden it's not safe anymore to be born at home. <laughs> yeah. Right. Also, what the hospitals are doing is they're forcing the birth certificate situation. So that's a whole other situation. And we're hoping to have a show about that um, yeah. with somebody that's been um, kind of educating us on that. But um, I know, John, that you understood that you know the reason why we opted out of a birth certificate at the time one of them being we didn't want to give the name to the state for them to turn into a whole entire organization to get money off of him so there's a whole entire situation with legal name fraud um, birth certificates um, all sorts of things having to do with that and i don't i think you it was you that told me um or maybe, I don't know if it was you or someone else, all of your children born, your 12 children. Well, that's one, yeah, that's one thing my grandfather um, um, uh, started back in back in the 30s, 1930s. My grandfather refused a social security number in 1936. He was a 36 year old man at the time. And uh, when the social security started, he thought, I, I don't want this number. I don't want to be number. I don't know what it's about, but social security, I don't want nothing, no part of it, you know? So he never got one and all of his children, he never got a social security number or a birth certificate for any of his children. He was totally against it. And you're still here. That was my grandfather. Yeah. (laughs) So my dad had nine children, uh, my mom and dad, and they're still alive. And my dad doesn't have a birth certificate um, or my mom, and neither does none of myself or none of my brothers and sisters, no social security number and no birth certificate. None of my 12 children do either. Um, so that's why so you're called always, the free man. That's why you're called. Yeah, that's the why free. they call me the, the free man, the last free man, because I, I do not have a number. I've never had a social security number in my life. People says, oh, you've had one before. Um, I've even had people says, well, when you was born, they gave you one. Well, I was born at home. <laughs> my my mom and dad and my grandmother were the only three people there. <laughs> and uh, my dad never reported my birth to the state, never got me a birth certificate or a social security number. So that's how I've lived my whole life is outside the system without any of these papers and stuff. And it's been my lifestyle. So it hasn't been something that um, I had to learn just because I, I was born without it. So, yep, you are completely born into freedom. And that's what people don't understand. A lot of these things are voluntary. That's what we tried to say in our own case. They were trying to criminalize us or demonize us for doing, for not doing a voluntary process. That was it. So when they terminated our rights without our knowledge, because I wasn't even there and they fabricated all sorts of things and said that we didn't show up, but they changed dates on us and did all sorts of things. 
so that we wouldn't show up, which is something Sylvia has seen on, in many mm -hmm. cases them do that. Um, but mm -hmm. anyways, the, in the termination of rights, that was one of the main things that they were concerned about, the birth certificate and social security number, which proves everything. That's all they care about. They yeah. care about turning us into an organization and then um, making money off of whatever money could be attached to our lineages and things of that nature. So it's insane. And we're still learning some more stuff about that. More to come on that later. We're going to have somebody that's very knowledgeable about that to talk about. But yes. <laughs> So are, is everyone able to hear us okay? I'm getting text messages that it is going in and out a little bit. Mm, I'm hearing good. I can I hear, hear everybody. I'm hearing very good. <laughs> <laughs> Our ears work. So. I don't know. It's showing my sounds good here. It may yeah, just be Rumble Maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah, I know Rumble was having some issues last week too, so it could be that. Because uh, yeah. Zoom's showing, Zoom, Zoom's good, the internet's good. Yeah, we're good here. Okay, awesome. Yep. Yeah, so, John, that's all, I mean, that's fascinating. Like, nobody has a birth certificate or social security number out of, None of how it. many people in your family? Uh, so, my my, my, Total? my immediate family, my wife and I, and 12 children. Now, I have two sons that have recently gotten married, and uh, so they still live here on the farm, and uh, their own little houses, and... Uh, mm -hmm. So I, we're we're starting the next generation, <laughs> and awesome. so far my sons are all for it yet, um, and um, not wanting a social security number, and going to continue the tradition, and no birth certificates. That's 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 how we've lived our for, for ever since my grandfather. So, yep, amazing, the natural way to be. I love it. Yeah. that is awesome. Yeah, farms are nice too. Living on your own, sustaining your own, you know, food and providing your own food, I should say, and and vegetables and you know, raising animals. I mean, there's there's something to that. You know, going back, there's a part of me that just misses like when it was a simpler time. You know, mm -hmm. you're not distracted by all the devices and everything else, and you know, just work and all the other distractions in life. It was such an easier time, just you know, 80, 90 years ago, when people now not. I'm not dismissing it like it was something easy. That's a hard life. <laughs> Do, yes. You know, I mean, that's not ra doing, uh, raising animals and, and planting food and harvesting and all that. That's a lot of work. I mean, sun up to sundown. But it was a simpler time in a, in a respect where it was just like families still communicated with each other. Because we're living in a day, let's face it, there's a lot of distractions. And everybody's looking at their phone or, you know, on their iPad or whatever and distracted by, you know, things like that. And there's just that communication seems to be getting lost. Well, the thing is, is that even though that's a harder life, the thing about it is it's more fulfilling. It's more wholesome. It's closer to God's mm -hmm. creation. So anything that's going to be closer to God's creation is going to be more fulfilling. And even though it's harder, it's worth it. So I, I believe that everybody should kind of get back to more of a natural way rather than lawns, have more food in your yard. So <laughs> something well, like that. You know, just through COVID showed us a lot what could happen. I mean, yeah. anything, and I, I didn't fall for all the COVID stuff myself, so I, we don't have no vaccinations, but just how the government controls everybody is my point about the COVID scam, what they've done. We become dependent upon the grocery stores. Mm -hmm. We become dependent upon everything being shipped into us from everywhere. 
And if we can't get it in, you know, 24 hours or three days, or if we ever need anything, we just, you know, run to somewhere and we order it. But if we, it, it being dependent on that, they control us somewhat. If we can't get it, they won't let us have the toilet paper or the milk in the store. And um, I went to a store here during COVID and um, I, we, we bought, we, I went grocery shopping for some things we don't have on the farm and whether like spaghetti, I, I love spaghetti. It's one of my favorite meals. <laughs> so my wife fixes a lot, but having 12 children, uh, 14 of us in a household, they had limits at, on the shelf that you can only have two packages of spaghetti. Well, Two packages doesn't feed 14 people in our house. We need like, I think is, I don't know how I'd ask my wife exactly, four maybe or six packages to feed us in a meal. Well, I went to the cash register, was buying the grocery. And the lady says, no, you can't have this. It's limit two to this and two that and one of this. And I said, I said, I'm not the one person behind me that's, that's got one, you know, one person in his household and uh, he only needs one package. I said, I've got 14 people to feed. I don't care, she said. So I ended up getting the manager and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna bring all of my children in tomorrow and we're all gonna buy our limit unless you <laughs> let me buy my limit now. So they ended up letting me buy what I needed. <laughs> but, um, you know, it doesn't make sense. Their rules doesn't. Nope. Everything yeah. is about a family yeah. of two people or four people and that's it. They're not used to big families being out there. And um, if we let them let that system and we become dependent upon it, it's in bad times like through COVID and all this kind of things where they these scams and stuff are going on. It's going to um, you know hurt a lot of people. So we try to be dependent, self sufficient on the farm and have mu as much stuff as we can. And I encourage everybody to work towards that goal. So. You know, they say most homes in America only have about uh, three days worth of groceries at the most in their home. Yep. And, um, you know, so if anything bad happens, the trucking system quit, you know, I'm hoping nothing like that happens. But if something did, there'd be people starving within within days, you know, in towns. These big towns would be a disaster. And um, the, it seems like if the government was for us, they'd be teaching people how to be self-sufficient and be prepared for a national disaster or anything that's going to happen, yeah. but they're not. Starting yeah. even in schools, they should be teaching students this. If, if kids aren't going to be homeschooled and they're in school, there should be schools teaching kids this. They yes, should be. they don't want us to be self-sufficient. Um, hey, I have an idea, John. I don't know if you've ever thought about teaching like a, a farm, like a farm, like a or like how to garden or farm and stuff like that because like with this generation people don't even know they don't even know how to start where to start what to do uh, but it is something that we do need to get self-sufficient on our own uh, because we already know the government is out to kill us in every every form possible if you haven't realized that already through the yes. food through the air through the water through everything uh they're out to get us so that might be something that you could teach to people that actually want to learn and do this on their own yeah we would i would love to do that taking young boys and and uh, teach them how to farm and be be a father uh you know teach them how, I'm how to uh, uh, become, become, you know, learn how to work with their hands yeah yes 
Yes, that's that what they be, need. Yeah, that would be an awesome thing for foster children because yeah. we have we have a, a problem in the foster care system because the foster care system is so awful that mm -hmm. a lot of the homeless people you see on the street are came from foster care. Because at 18 years old, if they age out and they're not in a home safe somewhere, they either run away and they end up trafficked or they end up just getting dropped off on the street at 18 years old, right when they age out or whatever age, depending right. on the state. But if if there was ways to change the foster system as a whole, things like um, animal therapy and farming mm -hmm. and skills and life lessons, that's, that's kind of our vision. That's what we see we wanting to, to change. We, we want there to be less and less opportunities for children to grow up in a dysfunctional society in a way where they end up in prison or on drugs or trafficked or whatever. We're trying to stop that. Yeah. And farming is very, uh, gardening is very therapeutic. We actually, yeah. when I was working at Elks Aidenmore Group Home, we were actually starting a garden, but it was more like a flower garden, just so the kids could grow stuff and like play and like play in the dirt. I like, get used to it, but like the kids were so excited just about that. So like there, there are things that I think that um, would be really great that could actually um, help you like help you help others. Yes, no, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that. My, my daughter did something similar to it. I think she called it the uh, Living Room Academy. She did it this summer. And uh, yes. my oldest daughter, and she took in um, two to four girls at a time and would teach them how to sew and cook and bake. Yes. And I, I, I told her this summer, I said, I, I would like to do the same thing with, with just with boys. And my, my wife could take the girls and teach them things and teach them teach them what real life's about and how 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 a household should run because they're not taught that in the real world no, out right. there no they have no idea um well hey i'm gonna keep you in mind if i like <laughs> if i come across like montana any former foster youth that want some help in learning how to farm and garden i'm gonna keep you in mind well sylvia well, we, and i are gonna it. come we're gonna come to montana and have a tour of your farm <laughs> I love You're Montana. Welcome anytime. <laughs> Montana is so beautiful. And yeah. the sky is amazing. Like, like you cannot have a bad day in Montana. I think that's why you're always smiling. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you know, Megan, we, we Megan was doing the same. Oh, sorry, John. Megan was doing the same thing with her farm, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she was, she had yeah. animals there. She was teaching kids, her own kids, uh, farming and uh, organic plants mm -hmm. and, you know, and learning all this stuff. And, Till her dad took it from her. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if you know Megan Walsh's story, John, but yeah, uh, her dad oh, came I in do, and yeah. swooped it. Yeah. Yep, yeah that in. was the same thing. She was, yeah, she she was had the same trying thing to going teach on. her kids out of the yeah. system, out of the elite business. You know, she was trying to take it back to nature and back to God. And that's really what they hate. They hate nature and they hate God. Yes, they're, they're ruining our children. These, I, I encourage people. Number one thing I tell everybody, first thing you can do, the best thing you can do with your children is get them out of the public schools yes. because yep. the public schools are making girls out of boys yep. and right. boys, girls into boys or whatever, back and forth. They just, they're, they're ruining the whole natural thing of a family. And um, it, it, one or two generations like that, and we won't have a country. We won't have yeah. a society the way it, nothing. It'd be, it's going to be gone. Yeah. 
and yeah. that and that's their goal that yeah, because then that helps them take control right yes yeah it's intentional the whole thing's intentional tear the family apart get god out of everything and you have no culture you have no uh, country anymore that's you've this is the same playbook they've used in other countries over centuries i mean we see the same thing happen over and over again it's nothing new under the sun like we said earlier and it's it's too bad i mean like i i think there's a lot of people that are just either naive or willingly naive. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but it's like, and I'm not even just talking about like what we've been talking about, CPS and all this stuff. There's just a lot of things that they, they're counting, like you said, counting on the grocery store. Like the grocery store is always going to have something. Well, I remember like we had a huge snowstorm. This is like 10 years ago. And the shelves were cleaned out like in 24 hours. Yeah. And there were no trucks coming in for like three days. Like, you know, that shows you how fast things can change, right? A hurricane, a hurricane hits Florida. I mean, people are in panic getting, you know, mm -hmm. even just getting like batteries, you can't find batteries. So it's like the, the simple things, if people could just sustain themselves through educating themselves with like, you know, learning how to plant or, or, you know, garden and, and uh, raise animals and things like that, it could save a culture, it could save a country, mm -hmm. but I don't see the willingness. I just don't see that there's, yeah, right. there's a remnant of people that, that live like that or want to live like that, but not many, most people would just rather have the, you know, the creature comforts. You know, it's, it is easy. Let's face it. It's easy running up to the store and grabbing something. You know, We're that's easy. We're going to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in, in, um, in Nevada, over by um, it, uh, where, the, where the Bundy Ranch is at, there, at one point, there was 50 ranches in that whole valley. There's only one ranch left. And this is what's happening in so many communities right around where I live at here. There, at one time, probably 50 years ago, there was... 40, 50 ranches around here. And now we're, we got Ted Turner on the backside of us that owns for 20 miles. And that this is the kind of thing we're having. We're having these big, rich, you know, corporations and big, rich people coming in and buying it all up. And they're not really ranching it the same as the small ranchers were. And they're shipping everything out somewhere else or other overseas. And we're losing the small family ranches fast. I mean, it's yeah. disintegrating really fast. Yeah, Bill Gates bought a bunch of them. The Chinese own a ton of land here in America. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I don't know where that goes. I mean, it, it, I don't th see it as a good end if it keeps continuing down that path. Okay. I mean, how good is it no. if you're, you, our sworn enemy who hates us is buying land and we're allowing it? Like, I don't, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't. Mm -mm. It's crazy. Yeah. So, John, uh, where what are you doing now like what is your what is your thing that you're focused on now so um it um i'm still focusing on my health some so i, I yes. still struggle a little bit with a couple of things but i that that's that's secondary in some ways <laughs> but one of the cases that i'm working on right now here in montana which has happened just out my back door was um is uh what i call the missionary case and there was um, five individuals, to make the story kind of short, there was five um, individuals. There was a father, a son, a 12-year-old son, and his 18-year-old daughter, uh, her fiancé, and another young man, a preacher, was walking across the United States carrying a cross. And um, they had left North Carolina about 5,000 miles prior. So they had been they've been walking this nonstop or, or, you know, they they if they do stop, they pick up from the exact spot they stopped at and they return to it. 
but they, they they've been a continuous path. They got into Montana and a local in my county that I live in, which is about 45 minutes away, ended up attacking them along the road. And uh, he didn't like their cross. And he said, your kind's not welcome here. And a lot of, a lot of bad language and ended up, um, he ended up, uh, the law got called and they arrested all four of the adults and put the child, the 12 year old in CPS custody. And um, they charged all four of them with assault on the other man. And all four of those are facing 20 years in prison if convicted. It, uh, so I've been helping with that case. That's been over a year now. So November would have been one year. So it's um, it's going past the one year mark. They still haven't got a trial. The prosecutors mm -hmm. have just been pure evil. Uh, it just the prosecutors offer them plea deals like if you'll plead no contest, we'll drop the charges. Um, deferred sentence, you know, if you're good for 18 months, that kind of thing. Or if you go to trial, you're facing 20 years in prison. Wow. And so that's what they've been doing to an 18-year-old girl, a 20-year-old boy that's now they got married. That's Bethany. Um, Bethany Boyd was her maiden name. Her father's Jesse Boyd. And then her now husband is Carter, um, Carter Phillips. So Bethany and Carter are married. And um, there's Eric Trent. He's a husband, um, has three children. He is, I believe, 27 years old. And I know mid to late 20s there. And then Jesse Boyd's the father of um, Bethany. And Jesse's in his 40s. And Josiah was 12 years old at the time. And um, they put gun, they drew guns on him. The, the sheriff's department did brought down 12 year old Josiah down in the snow. It was November um, at gunpoint, made him get down on his knees on the, on the, in the middle of the highway. Um, and then handcuffed him, put him in a cop car, then hauled him off the CPS to make a long story short there. And um, anyway, I got involved right away. I ended up going to their court hearings and um, knew these people were innocent from day one. As soon as I started hearing about their case, and knew this was a total injustice and wrong. So I've been mm -hmm. fighting for him ever since. But as we know, the court systems are corrupt. We've got mm -hmm. prosecutors and stuff that call themselves Christians that are prosecuting other Christians on false charges. Yep. This is the kind of thing that's happening in this country. And Montana, we've, everybody looks at Montana like it's such a great state. It is a great state, but we have an evil justice system here just like every other state. Um, so that's I, in Montana? Montana. Montana's just as corrupt as any other state. They've got innocent people in prison. They prosecute innocent people. And people say, oh, you know, we, we're better than some. Well, we might be better than Oregon. We might be better than California or something like that somewhat. But they've got 100 million people over there. and We've only got 1 million. So we still got the, the evil happening here and corrupt courts the same way. So I'm, I'm standing by these people. It's right in my own backyard and I'm not going to give up on them. We're going to fight it to the end. And, and these are great Christian family and uh, they're just like my own family. You know, I've got to know them. I, I've visited them out in North Carolina since this, since I've helped them with this case. And, 
And these are great Christian brothers and sisters, and and they were they were wrongfully charged 100% that day. So, so how do we help? Well, um, that's a good point. Um, I I should have some made some of my notes on some of this, but they're, they're they do have a website that people can look on there. I know you can. I think hashtag the Long Walk USA is one way to look up their case. Or you can go to my Facebook pages and look up their cases too. Um, and their last name is the the case name is Boyd B O Y D. You know Jesse Boyd, Montana missionaries. That will bring up the case and just tell you all kinds of things about it. Okay, um, did, awesome. Did so you said the allegations were assault? They assaulted yeah, so them. They're, 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 they were they were literally walking down the highway carrying an upside down American flag because they said the country is in distress, so they refused to carry it right side up. That offends a lot of people. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they were also carrying this wooden cross that um, that they've been carrying all over the country. And um, this man showed up and literally pulled his vehicle over and then was offended by them and got out and attacked them. They did that? defend themselves. I'm trying to get to work. <laughs> uh, Your background's blocking that? it out. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. It won't work. <laughs> no, not with your background on. It was so a picture guy... of him carrying the cross, but yeah. So, so John, the guy yeah, pulled yeah, over and did what? Guy, this guy pulled over, got out of his vehicle, and attacked him. Literally took down Mr. Boyd, Jesse Boyd, down to the ground, and um, just beat, just beating on him. The others attempted to pull this guy off, this this total stranger, tried to pull him off. And then he ended up attacking uh, Eric Trent and um, get him in a choke lock and a headlock, you know, just all over the ground in the snow. And um, and then Jesse Boyd ended up pulling a gun in the defense of themselves. And the guy backed off and the guy says, well, you made a mistake now. And he calls 911 and he says, I'm friends with the sheriff. And the sheriff arrested all four of them for assault with a deadly weapon. Okay. And, um, Did, was there any video footage? I mean, anybody pull over, any passerbys or anything like that? Well, there there has there was some passerbyers that drove by, but we don't we don't we don't know of any video footage that exists at this time. But we do know witnesses okay. that have so, um, come forward, and even another deputy sheriff in the midst of all this has lost his job over it and has turned to our side hmm. and said that it's, this, it's all corrupt. And so we've got, we've, it's a great case. I believe 100% that they will win this case in court with a good jury mm -hmm. because the jurors are going to see through it and going to hear the truth and they're going to win it. Cause this is a conservative area. I mean, there's a lot of Christian people mm -hmm. more so than you would in like Portland, Oregon. I find it very interesting and something to think about, but immediately I'm like, this is weird because I don't believe in coincidences anymore, like at all. There's been too many things that have happened where I'm like, coincidences don't exist. So the fact that this guy randomly attacks these people simply walking down the road with a cross and a flag, he attacks them. He just so happens to be friends with the sheriff and just so happens to be in your county. 
Hmm. In my county, I know. Good point, you know. <laughs> and John, just to, just so I'm covering both sides of this, like so, the guy that pulled over was not provoked by them. They were just kind of minding their own p's and q's, walking out on the side of the road, and this yep. guy just minding for no reason apparently. Yep. Okay, just want to yep. be clear. He um just pulled over. He was offended. He 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 just started. He just he and he's known in this county for being this way. He's actually assaulted many other people before and after this. It's just a shame that nobody has ever you know. The system hasn't ever done nothing about him. It, um, but yeah, he just um, said, "Your kind's not welcome here. Get your Jesus people out of here, you know. And you're not welcome in Montana. We don't want you." And you got to understand when you're walking down the highway, it's a slow process, somewhat. You're not like a car going 80 miles an hour down the highway. Yeah. So when you're walking for several days in the county, as you're m moving forward slowly. In the middle of the winter, when it's cold, they're making it about anywhere from 5 to 10, 12 miles a day on the highway. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of cars pass you. Yep. So their, their presence was well known. There was people flipping them off. There was people stopping and saying, what's going on? Are you guys cold? you need any coffee? Thank you for doing what you're doing. They was giving out Bibles, tracts. They've been doing this for 5,000 miles. And then they now they're in Montana doing it. And um, you know, you get the haters and people that like you both ways. Yeah. And this man was like road rage. Just just totally. I mean, he didn't have to get out of his vehicle. He didn't have to stop his vehicle. He could have just done like all the other haters, just give the middle finger and keep going. But he mm -hmm. made a point to stop and say, You're not welcome in this county. You're you know, you you know, and, and attacked him for it, got in their face and attacked him. Um like I said, what motive did they have? They had no motive except to defend themselves from an aggressor. And that's that's how I look at it. Now, there's no video footage of it, so of that part of it. Now, moments later, there was there was two 911 calls. Mr. Boyd, Jesse Boyd, called 911 and told his story within minutes of it after it happened. And he asked for assistance. He said, I've been we've been attacked out here along the highway. There are several men that came up with rifles and threatened us and said they was gonna kill us if we didn't get out of here. And this all happened. Um, and then the other guy calls and when he calls on 911, he's still yelling at them, get back here. We've got numbers, get back here, you guys, get back here. And, and they've got that time, they've got guns pointed at them now, the missionaries do from, it's during hunting season, it's November. So mm -hmm. everybody has guns in Montana. So. Right. Jesse was just trying to get his daughter and his son and the other two gentlemen out of there. And um, so they were trying to get down the road. So when the cops showed up, the cops never asked any questions. They just drew on them like it was um, like, you know, it's a, it's a robbery in progress and had them all get out on, on the um, highway and kneel down and put hands on top of their heads and arrested them all. And this, this footage is all on, all these body cam footages and this arrest is all out there on the internet to see. I've got some of it shared on mine, but the cops get on there and they're just horrible. They're like, well, these people are evangelists, you know, you know, yeah, we just need to arrest them all. Put the, put the child in CPS talking vulgar. These cops are, it, it was horrible. And, so, um, okay. So there is, so there is essentially so, video footage, right? I mean, there, with the body cams. Video, yeah, there's video 
about a few minutes after the assault, when the police all arrived, there's all this video cameras. Yes, there is all that. And the recordings and was, of the 911. Okay, and that's actually amazing that they got out of the police department because there's there's <laughs> other police departments that it takes a bunch of FOIA requests and then who knows if that's even going to get the footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was it was released to the crazy. public. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, yes. So it's it's out there publicly for people to see. I can attest that I cuz I did similar. I walked from town to town mm-hmm. at one point. Yes. I I actually walked when I was pregnant and I walked after they he was kidnapped uh, when we were seeking help. And as I was walking, same thing. I was getting flip people flipping us off, people calling the cops on us for simply walking. That's all we were doing. We were walking. And when I was pregnant, we were going from church to church to church. Um, very similar manner, just going to churches, kind of asking them, me specifically, was wanting to know why they were uh, allowing child trafficking or human trafficking, because I had been previously a victim of trafficking. Um, I wasn't vocal about it in the public eye seven years ago when that happened to my son, but um, I'm coming out about that now a little bit more that I'm comfortable, but I was going from church to church and I was asking them questions and I was trying to figure out why they weren't standing up for truth, why they weren't standing up for the rights of humans in um, this country, like what's going on. And as we were walking, people were flipping us off and we were pretty well known too in the towns, like the towns were saying, who are these people walking? And so I can really like that story of that this family kind of hits home because the hatred coming off of people is so intense sometimes and it's so confusing because we're like we're just walking what is the problem yes. and why then is there so much hatred in people's hearts it is you know insane. you see it you see it in all kinds of ways you see road rage with people driving in vehicles there's a lot of hate people people uh, you know the the whole country is a mess there's people need christ they just there, it's it's a mess. So it isn't just the people walking. We see it with people walking for sure. But there's road rage that happens every day in this country. But so what do this, we know what, about hatred? I feel like they're fueling hatred. Uh, hatred yes. actually is bad for the body. It can cause cancers. It can cause different things. In fact, when my cousin was diagnosed with cancer, the first thing the doctor said was be positive because the your the way you feel actually will increase uh the cancer or it will stop the cancer so like and i feel like they're fueling the people to to hate when if you just start forgiving and you start living and you start uh like you said you they need jesus yes that's right well these missionaries now we had um about six months after so they they was all arrested and put on a fifty thousand dollar bond each they had to wear ankle monitors for for months, and they finally got off of all of that. Their attorneys got um, um, the ankle monitors finally removed, so now they're just they're just waiting for trial. But about six months in, we met back up and we did what they called the restart of the long walk, and we got videos out there on this. And what we did is we started from the place they got assaulted, and we restarted the walk so they could get out of Montana and. Uh, Several hundred people joined that restart of a long walk, and we got them. Um, I don't know. I think it was about 40 or 50 miles away from that incident, and they have since walked a thousand miles past that spot now. 
without any wow. incident. Wow. So they're, 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 they're continuing their walk from all the way to the West Coast, somewhere in California. Wow. That's, That's what happened with the child that CPS sees? Yeah. That's been returned? Well, they had they the child for several days, and the mother, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the Jesse and his wife, Jamie, are married. They have three children. J- Josiah is the youngest one that got put in CPS. But Jamie Boyd had to fly all the way from um, North Carolina to get, take custody of her child from CPS, and they did release the child to her. But she had to, well, why her husband was in jail. And I was involved at this time. All I got involved just moments after, you know, day, just a day or so after. So I went to their very first court appearances. And then I helped uh, orchestrate the bonds and bonded them all out, uh, helped them with all their ankle monitor stuff to figure it all out. They, they didn't know nobody in Montana. They, they literally, um, when they was in court, their first court appearance, uh, they was trying to get out on their own reconnaissance. And the the prosecutor said, no, Your Honor, they're transients. They're homeless. They've just been walking aimlessly down the road. And um, so the judge said, okay, $50,000 bond apiece, you know. And so you're going to sit in jail, you know, until you can find bond. Mm-hmm. And he put all these restrictions on them. I was Crazy. sitting in court that day. So I, I showed up. I showed up and uh, went and visited one of them in court. And made some phone calls and we started working on bond and we got them out. <laughs> oh, awesome. This is why I told you. I just said this. There's no coincidences. It happened in your <laughs> county for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I told my wife. I said this is way too close to home. <laughs> <literally. laughs> oh my yeah, gosh! No so that's well, that's that's, crazy. that's it. Yeah, at least there's kind of a happy ending so far. Yes. And we'll see, see where it goes. But, I mean, you know, that's I'm actually uh, taken back that the child was actually released so quickly. I mean, that, yes. that's a little shocking to me. So that's I good. Think John has, I, think, I think John needs to come uh, join Rescue the Fosters. He has a knack <laughs> for rescuing fosters. I love, I love this man. If, if there's any way I can help, I definitely will. So... <laughs> Well, uh, well, we are looking for Danielle's son. So if anyone has any information on the whereabouts of her son, you can contact us uh, or John. John might be yes. able to help him. <laughs> yes. I'd show up with my van with all them big signs and we'd say, um, baby home found. <laughs> yeah. We definitely look forward to that day when that baby's returned to her right, his rightful place. Like it's, it's so sad. Like this actually happens. It's it's surreal sometimes, John. For me, honestly, like I just shake my head. I'm yes. like, it's really, it's really happening. Like, and and I know it sounds like a you know a tale or something to some people, but it's just, I don't know. It's mind boggling that it actually is happening in America. I mean, this is like you know, go back to the Gestapo. I mean, like it's it's just mm-hmm. really terrifying to be honest. That someone can make it some false a- allegation or, or come against you with some fake trumped up charges and they take your children and you have no defense. Yes. You know, least, you know and I think no- some of this has been happening longer than we realize, but yeah. with the new technology and social media, it's being more exposed and we're seeing it's happening everywhere on a daily basis. Um, there's been cases my whole life I've been seeing from the Amish. If you look up the case, um, Swartz versus Indiana. This was back in the early 70s when the state of Indiana took over 700 Amish children 
from the Amish communities for homeschooling. And this kind of thing has happened, but most people never heard of it. And um, I can remember, you know, hearing the stories because my dad was, I was just a little kid at the time, but my dad talking about it because we had so many friends around us in the Amish community and 700 children is a lot of children for parents to be taken away from them. And yes. they, they lost their children almost a year of their life from their children. In the state of Indiana, when they took all these children, they, they got the National Guard involved. They got school buses and loaded up all these children, hauled them all away, gave all the girls haircuts because the Amish didn't believe in haircuts at the time. Or they don't still believe in cutting the girls' hair. Mm -hmm. So the girls had long hair. They give the girls shoulder-length hair and cut the boys' hair off even shorter and um, put them all in public schools for almost a year. And at the time, most people said, well, you know, they, they really should be having their kids in school. <laughs> you know, this is how the public looked at it at the time. But it was horrific to these parents that lost a year of their child's life all over all over a school, you know, law that Indiana had. And mm -hmm. it, the Amish ended up winning the case and got their children back and now can school their own children without the state intervention. But you know, most people don't know of these cases. It's been happening for years. This this was back in the 70s. Well, I was wondering, I was actually wondering about the Amish. I don't know if you realize, but Beachy is an Amish name. I do. I, I was going to ask, but I, I, I do know. <laughs> yes. So, so my, uh, my father, he, he was, his, his family left an Amish community when he was two years old. Uh, but yeah, he's, you know, it's the Amish community. Beaches are a big part of that. Uh, yes. I was wondering about the Amish community because we didn't grow up in the Amish community, but we, we knew of like, we went and visited and we went to the farms and, you know, like kind of knew of the culture. Um, yes. And um, so I was interested in learning if the Amish community, you know, had suffered at the hands of CPS. And we just don't know because they're not on social media. They're not, you know, anything like that. It's actually probably easier for them to take kids. Yes. Um, so I grew up grew up in the Amish community my whole life. And then um, my, when my wife and I got married, my wife, it was, it was part of the Mennonite Church out of Missouri. And then um, so we lived in that Mennonite community for the first few years of our life. And then um, we ended up moving into an Amish community um, before we moved to Montana. And so we lived in an Amish community there out of uh, in Missouri for, for a few years and then ended up moving to Montana. So I've been I'm um, been in the Amish lifestyle my whole life. So it's yeah. um, very familiar with what they do. And I've been helping the Amish for years in cases ever since the case in um, in 2003 when nine Amish men went to jail in, in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky. And so that was 2003. And ever since then, many cases like Samuel Gerard out of um, also Kentucky went to prison for uh, making chickweed salve. So the FBA raided his farm um, with over 100 armed agents. And if anybody knows the Amish, um, they're, they're non-resistance. They don't believe in going to war, shooting people. They may have a few older type guns to go hunting with, but that's, that's, that's it. You know, they're, they don't believe in killing or fighting people. So over a hundred agents, um, raided Samuel Gerard's farm 
all over a salve, a chickweed salve that he was making. And it wasn't the salve itself that was harmful. It was the label. And you can look at that, look at that case that the label said, this salve is healing and will heal you. So that label was so dangerous because the salve inside hadn't been um, approved by the FDA for healing. <laughs> so he ended up spending about five years in federal prison for that. Hmm. And um, that's just one of many cases. He has 11 children at home. It, um, but CPS uh, bothers the Amish a lot throughout different parts of the country. And I have um, been brought aware to many of those cases and even helped in them. One case in Pennsylvania, the bishop got so involved in one of the cases there, the bishop actually hid uh, the, the, the children that were the CPS was wanting and the mother and father, he made sure that they got hidden. And this bishop in the one Amish community there went to prison himself for not telling the whereabouts of the children the state was looking for. And they never found those children. And finally he got released. And uh, the, so they never got in CPS care. They just disappeared, <laughs> you know, into the community somewhere safely. Yeah. So, you, you know, the Native American community suffers at the hands of CPS quite a bit, too. Yes, they do. Segment. Mm -hmm. And like so, the Native Americans easy don't targets. usually have the resources. Yes, they, they don't have the resources to fight. And the Amish are so non-resistant that they um, that they don't want attorneys. And they, most most of the time. The rest of the world never knows it happens. It happens so much behind closed doors. It just, they just right. get a, a That's what I was seated. wondering. That's what I was thinking, that it's just happening because you're right. The, the Amish are very peaceful. Um, uh, I got some Mexican blood in me too. So that's what comes out. <laughs> Martina yeah. Smackdown comes out when it needs to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not as, I, I'm not as, I, I speak my mind. <laughs> she does yes <laughs> yeah that's uh it's too bad though that people yeah it's too bad that these you know groups are targeted like that just because of the situations they're in i mean let's face it just like you said that's it's an easy target soft target whatever you want to call it because they're non-resistant most of these people and also just poor and let's face it they don't have any money they can't yeah, defend themselves Yes. Not that not that a defense would help them anyway. In most cases, it doesn't seem like it goes anywhere. But you know, at least it would be a, a fighting chance. But they don't have a fighting chance. No, they don't. And, and even the middle class anymore can't afford these attorneys. Um, you're you're talking about, right. about into the thousands of dollars, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for any offense. Uh, in most most of the cases, um, most attorneys will tell you on one felony now, especially in Montana. A minimum of fifty thousand dollars if it's a felony charge, and most people can't afford that. No, it, um, I don't know who really can. None of my friends can. Yeah, <laughs> right. oh, man. And then the attorneys aren't going to help you anyways. They're going to throw your case mm -hmm. uh, because that's how they get paid. So they're not even going to help you. Uh, but we do have a good friend in uh, the chats that uh, is listening, Chris, and he does have a case, and he said, "Hey." give my name to this man he sounds like he he can get some stuff done yeah he's a father our our friend chris he's a father right now fighting for his daughter who's in foster care he didn't even meet his daughter until she was in foster care they're supposed to go to the the parents mm -hmm. 
before mm-hmm. foster care and a, a situation happened between him and the mother of the child and she ended up going off with another guy and a whole thing happened but long story short he met his daughter in foster care they didn't even give him a chance like not even a little bit and then long story short they falsified all sorts of charges on him they falsely charged him he's in a court case right now he has an ankle bracelet that he's had on his leg for 20 months with no charge he's not even allowed in the state of massachusetts and so his trial's coming up january 3rd he's in massachusetts or he's in new hampshire but the case is in massachusetts and i mean we need we need he needs help (laughs) yeah yes no no misdemeanors no felonies no nothing just wanted his daughter and they would not do it And and then banned from the state which I don't even know how there's there's murderers and bank robbers and you know the yeah. thugs that have yeah. done worse and he's done nothing except wanted his daughter and they will not they refuse literally refuse to do anything and even you know gosh we we were court watching last week and um, the defense attorney I'm sorry not the, the uh, prosecutor um, he's made some wild allegations against him also that are unfounded and mm-hmm. untrue. And I got to tell you, Chris's case, you want documentation? <laughs> oh, man. Like, this guy's organized. He's got it all. Uh, we've actually <laughs> went over it on a, a, you know, a show back a while ago. Um, and his lawyer and someone else, another advocate we have helping him, are very, like, just like, whoa, this is incredible what you've done and how organized you are to keep this stuff. He's got everything. I mean, John, it's like cut and dry. So we're, we're praying well, that his can. lawyer does his job and you know, gets this thing done. Yes. If you don't mind, uh, Danielle afterwards, uh, forward, um, my information over to yeah. Chris, give, give me my cell phone number, my email address, whatever he needs. And okay. if, if anything, I'd love to just talk to him, encourage him yes. And, yes. Uh, to, uh, stand strong and keep fighting. We have to, and maybe we can find some other people that's in that area that will stop by and support him through this trial. Yes. That, that'd be a, yes. probably yes. a big that's help for him. That's what yes, we need. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Cause we're scattered all over the country. This is what they do. They keep us divided. Mm-hmm. They keep us separate. They keep us poor. So we can't get to each other. And so yes. we need support whenever these situations are happening. Like even in my case, there were very little people there because everybody is so divided. So we need people mm-hmm. to be there for Chris's case. It's on January 3rd. So we need to make something happen there. Yeah. And by the way, whatever happened, to a speed... mm-hmm. whatever happened to a speedy trial, remember that? Remember the constitutional right yes. to a speedy trial? Whatever happened to that? There is no constitution in the court. No, no of course not. Yeah, it's banned. I mean. It's a bad word in court. I actually. It is. I was in court in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I would carry a pocket constitution in the front of my shirt pocket. Literally, the court marshals, the, the, the security there, would take the constitution out of my pocket and tell me I could not have it in the courtroom. And um, and if I ended up with it in the courtroom, I could be arrested. So every day I kept trying. And, and, um, and so... I figured one day they're going to arrest me here, but they never did. I, I was I was blessed never being arrested any of these times. But I, I'd even hide constitutions like in my Bible and come in there and they take the one out of my pocket. And then when I got into the courtroom, I'd pull the constitution out from my Bible and put it in my pocket again. And then the judge would tell me that I had to take the pocket constitution 
and flip it over upside down so the jurors couldn't see what it was. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> they, they, wow. they don't like the Constitution at all. <laughs> no, wow. they don't. Just criminals, just corrupt criminals. Well, yep. John, I don't know if you remember, but in my case, the court said in the courtroom, the Constitution does not apply in this courtroom. He said yes. that. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. then he said other... What? We've had other guests on that have said the exact same thing. I remember one of our first guests we ever had on, I, her name is Rachel. I didn't know that this was even going on. I mean, I was kind of naive to all this stuff. And I remember one of the first things she said was, yeah, I got in there. My lawyer said, oh, they're not going to go by the Constitution. And she said, they're not going to go by what? He's like, yeah, they don't use the Constitution. <laughs> like her lawyer was telling her this. And it's, I mean, like I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, really? Like, I mean, I knew some of this stuff was going on. I wasn't like totally naive, but like... Now that I've seen it for a couple of years and you see it up front and personal, like it's, it's sick, man. I mean, I, it is. and I don't know, like, this isn't a left or right thing. This isn't a political thing. This is a, like a human rights thing. Like people just need to stand up and go, wait a minute. We have no rights. There's like, literally they can do anything they want to do to you. That's where we're at. Yeah. Yes. It's a free for all. And, you know, and, and, the, and our, our supposed elected officials are supposed to take an oath to this constitution. That'd be like asking a Christian um, who Christ is, and they don't know. And, <laughs> right. and you, know, you know they're not a Christian if they can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, so we know these officials, that's, they that's can't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These, these, these officials, I, I don't know hardly any of them that can quote hardly anything out of the Constitution, but maybe the Second Amendment or the First Amendment sometimes, but they don't know anything else. Yeah. that's true well john any uh, last words before we let you go appreciate your time no just uh, yeah thank you so much for having me on uh it was an honor um if any way i can help anybody who has listened here on this uh program um please reach out to me or reach out to danielle and she'll give me my information i'd, I'd, I'd love to talk to anybody and help anybody i i have an open policy i just love people and love to hear your stories and and any way that I can help. Sometimes I get overwhelmed. And um, as we know, we yeah. it's, it's hard to travel everywhere across the country, but I do go to as many places as I can. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up at all. I, I, this, this, this is in my blood to fight for other people and fight for justice. And so, but I thank you it. so much for having me on. And I'll, I'd love to come on again sometime if you yeah. need me. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. And yes, you know, uh, continue. updated on the cases, sorry. Continued healing too, Jen. We'll pray for you. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Have a great night. Take care. Thank you, you can go ahead and end. We're going to stick around for just a couple seconds. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to figure this out. Nice how to get you. off of here. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has trouble ending the meeting. It's a, it, there yes, should be a red yeah. button. Yep. Uh, I see it now at the top. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye, John. Oh, man. What a nice guy. Yes. Love his yeah. attitude. Yeah. We need uh, yeah. attitudes like that, positive attitudes. You know, there's a lot of people that are just depressed and down and kind of a bummer, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't even want to hang out with them. But it's like, <clears throat> you have to smile. You got to enjoy mm -hmm. life. It's short. Yeah. Yep. Yep. True story. Yeah. He's been, I don't know. I just, he's, he's literally my brother. I, I just yeah. love him. <laughs> I can see why. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. There's All right. Well, 
any last words? Like, where can people reach out and find you? Um, they can find us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, mostly on Twitter, um, rescuethefosters.org. You can email us at help at rescuethefosters.org. Um, yeah. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us tonight. Be blessed. We will see you. Uh, actually, I think me and Megan are going to do a uh, re-examine tomorrow night at 11. So usually it's uh -huh. Saturday, but because of Christmas weekend, I think we're going to do something tomorrow night. So keep an eye out for that. 11 o'clock right here on Insight. Have a great night. Be blessed and take care.